Um, so, man, we've been, we've been uh, receiving a lot. I know last week we talked a lot about Peter. For the last two weeks, I think we've been talking about Peter. And, and, uh, and we're going to continue a kind of that theme and, and speak a little bit more about him. Um, but I know that Pastor Chris spoke uh, something last week. And he talked about Jesus uh, reinstating Peter, bringing him back to who he really was. And, and he talked about, you know, you know, about Peter denying him three times. And then, and then Jesus asking him, do you love me three times? He was kind of... Uh, redeeming what, what he had done. He was kind of, you know, bringing Peter back to where he belonged. And it was crazy because a lot of this has to do in how we see God or if we believe that God is with us and for us. And, and yesterday, uh, well, not yesterday, Friday, we were at this place called uh, Urban Air, I think it's called. Let me tell you, man, if they had, those, if they had one of those when I was a kid, oh, man, I would have been there every day. You know, parents, any parents have taken their kids there? It's amazing. As a matter of fact, I would I would say shut that, shut it down and let the adults play because it's an amazing amazing time. I I, uh, I would love to do that. And we were there, and there's this thing uh, they have like a ropes course that they put you to like a bungee, and and then you gotta do. And there, there's this step up ladder. It's like tubes, and then there's one like that big, and then, and it goes all the way maybe to like 10, 12 feet, you know. And and my son Ethan, he started doing it. He was doing pretty good. First, second, third, fourth, fifth. He was like. You know, already starting to look around like this is kind of high. I don't know. Should I turn around? Should I keep going? Well, he made it to the second to last one, I believe. And I'm, that's probably like 10 feet, like maybe a little higher than a basketball court. So you think about it. You're standing. You're on 10 feet, but you're standing above it. So you're really, you're, you're, your eye level is like, a, depending how high or how tall you are, you know, it's, 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 it seems higher than it really is. And he got there and he needed to repel. Now that those repelling cords... They, they give, but at the end, they, they, they catch you. So at the beginning, you feel like you're free falling, but at the, you know, instantly it catches you. But he had never done that before. So he just, like, got stuck. And then, uh, like me and a couple of friends, like good Hispanics, come on, Ethan, you could do it. Ah, everybody's looking at us, like, yeah, Ethan, you could do it. You got this. Come on, one more step. Jump, 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 come on. And then, and Ethan just, is just like, Ethan, you got this. You got this. And all of a sudden, you see the lips starting to shake. I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 now, my son is, is strong, and he's like me, like he's macizo, he's not, he, 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 he weighs. Like you try to pick up my son, and, and not because he's overweight, but he's just, he's just made, he's just solid, you know, he's like, he's not hollow, you know. And that kid is, and, and I'm like, if this kid jumps from that height, I'm going I'm to need to go to the emergency room. <laughs> this is not going to be good. Yeah. But... He looked at me, and he jumped. And it amazes me what the presence of our Father can do in a moment of crisis and pain. It reminded me how many of us, we get paralyzed in fear because of the things that we're living. And all it takes is one glance from him. And if today you are here, and you're dealing with something in your life. You're going through it right now. 
and you're paralyzed or you're full of fear, I pray that you don't encounter this short, black, sexy preacher or you encounter a good band or you encounter anybody else, but that you would encounter our Heavenly Father. That today you can catch his eyes and that he can catch yours and everything that's in you that's been holding you down and holding you back would disappear. Amen? Amen. I need that. I don't know about you, but I need that. Man. Listen, I, I, have, I have so much respect for like preachers' wives because I think sometimes you guys are there and like, oh my God, what is he going to say? Especially, I know my wife does because I'd be saying some, I'm, I, I, you know, I've been a, I was a youth pastor, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. So when you're, when you're, they go, all the youth in the house, thank you. You know, so sometimes you say things that regular people won't say. But I'll try not to do that today. So today, the message is called Sweetly Broken. Now, there's a song, I'm not going to sing, don't worry. And, uh, and my mother, who's, Jeremy Riddle, his name is? And he sings this song, Sweetly Broken, Holy Surrender. If you've never heard that song, you need to listen. It's old school, you know. But it's such a, it's such a, it just takes you to the cross. It takes you to your knees. It takes you to a place of, of, of surrender. And, and, and I want to go to a couple of verses, a couple of passages. And the first passage is found, is found in John 6, <clears throat> verses 1 through 9. And this is what it says. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Don't you love when Jesus does that? You know, he asks you to do something, but he already has his plan made up. He knows exactly what he was going to do. And he's just saying, seeing if you would trust or if you would make the decision, you know, that you need to make. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. A bite. I don't know about you, but I don't get full on a bite. How many, how many of you guys get full on a bite here? Like, I remember I took my sister-in-law to uh, Texas and Brazil. It was a family, but she went there, and we ate. And, you know, Texas Brazil, man, if you go, you got to be, like, on a fast, like, for two days, you know, because when you go there, you're going there to, you know, to eat a cow. You know, if you're vegetarian, I'm sorry to offend you, but it's, it's the bomb, you know. And, 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 and she, she, she barely ate one plate. And I'm like, man, you know. So a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And he says this, but how far will they go among so many? How far will they go among so many? So this little boy, see, it's not a, it's not a father. It's not a mother, because sometimes mothers go prepared. You know, I don't know how, how back in the day moms, they have like their little cooler backpack, like five sandwiches, three water bottles, a protein, a protein bar, hand, hand, hand wipes, sanitizers, a mask, you know, an extra pair. They're prepared. It's not a mom that's there. It's not a, even a father that um, probably is just as, 
just like the boy, you know, he just has his lunch and that's it. It's a little boy that shows up. And I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever had that, but like, you know, when you're having a conversation with adults and you're talking about like money or something, and you're talking about like, yeah, man, like, like, the new Hummer's coming out and, and I want to, I would love to buy it. And it's, it's like, I don't know, 80 to 100 grand. And then all of a sudden the, the, the kid or the boy interrupts and says, oh, oh, daddy, I got eight bucks. Have you guys, has that happened to you? I think that's kind of like, I, if, I, if you know, I, I like making a movie in my head and I, I see the kid saying, oh, oh well, we got to feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men. Plus women and children, but I got my lunch. And all of a sudden, you know, this guy says, Whoa, I don't know if that's good enough. How many of us are like Andrew? That what we, when we see what God has in his hands, we say, Whoa, 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 I don't know if that's good enough. I don't know if what, what this young kid is bringing and putting in the hands of Jesus. It's going to be good enough to resolve the situation that we're going through right now. What I'm seeing with my natural eyes doesn't add up to what needs to happen in this moment in my life. We doubt sometimes what God can do with what he has in his hands. The thing is that God is the potter and we are the clay. And what's in his hands right now is not a piece of bread and some fish. What's in his hands right now is you and I. My question is, are you telling him the same thing Andrew told him? How can you do what you need to do with what you have in your hands? A lot of times, we don't see God do what he needs to do because we don't believe that he can do it through us. And we stay where we are because we doubt that that good father can do something so great when what we're looking that is in his hands is us. And since we know who we really are, we're like, I don't know if you can do what you need to do with me. Because what happens is, now you guys know what the balloon's for. This balloon, oh, they put a bunch of tape here, let me see. I told them to do this and I'm just, let me get it loose really quick. Nice. I'll put it like that so I can tape it back again. You hear that? You hear that? This balloon has money. So what happens is, there's two different types of vessels. You have a balloon and you have a vase. This, if you hold it to the light maybe, uh, can you see it, the bunny? Yeah, right? You can see the money. Question, how much does a balloon cost? Yeah, you can get a pack of 10 at the dollar store for a dollar. So let's say between 10 and 25 cents, right? Is that a lot of money? No, right? My son has like a a box of coins. And it's crazy because I'm like, you know, Papi, we got we to make sure that we keep our hands clean. And he gets that. He just like, ah. And then he's rubbing his eyes. And I'm like, no. Don't do that. But he just loves counting money. That's prophetic, you know. <laughs> but there's something of value in here. 
And a lot of us think that Christianity is like this. That the vessel has very little value and, and we know and we can see the treasure inside. So we know that there's something in there. And this doesn't cost anything. Now, stay. This is a vase. I almost killed myself trying to get this today in, in the kitchen. This has value, yes? Let's say, it's not, the, it's not the real value, but let's say it's 100 bucks. It's worth 100 bucks. But it also has a treasure inside. My question is, can you see it? Can you see the treasure? Is this as cheap as the balloon? Or did it cost me more money? Okay. So two different types of vessels. And that's what God has in his hands right now. You and I are vessels. But at that moment, he had a piece of, a piece of bread and some fish. And let's see what he did with these loaves of bread. For there are about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. And gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments <clears throat> were taken up by them. That's like when we eat for Thanksgiving that we have like turkey for like two, two months. And you're eating turkey omelet, turkey on a stick, fried turkey, turkey, turkey ice cream. Whatever there is, you're eating turkey because that's all you have to eat. See, brokenness was a catalyst for what happened next. Before he even fed anybody, he didn't spit on it. Jesus has done that before. He didn't, he didn't do anything else. He, the Bible says that he blessed it. He broke the bread. And then the miracle happened. He blessed it. He broke the bread. And then the miracle. So what happens is this. When we talk about brokenness, it's very easy to break Something like this. Because it doesn't work. It's not, it's not, there's not a lot. And you can see it. So if you have to break it, you pop it and you get the, the treasure or, the, or the, what's inside. Yes? But when you have something like this, it costs you a little bit to break it. Because we can't see what's inside. And what's carrying it costs us something. But brokenness was the catalyst for the miracle. So if we want to see God move in our lives and see miracles happen in our lives, in our family, and in our finances, in our health, then we have to be willing to crack this to obtain what's inside. The problem is that we value this too much. And now I'm not talking about a vase. I'm talking about you and me. We value this, this, this. This, too much. So we are not willing to be broken to access what's inside of us. Today, we have a decision to make. Will we allow God, will we yield to brokenness in order to obtain what God has placed inside of us? It could be $1,000. It could be 2000 At the end of the day, what God has put in us is his spirit. It's who we really are. You guys hear me? When I looked up the definition of brokenness, it said to break into little pieces. And I was going to bring a, a puzzle and I was going to put one. I was going to bring a bunch of pieces, but I was I'm like, I feel I'm feeling like a, 
I don't know, like a magic, a magician with all these things up here. So I was like, I'm going to leave that at home. But if you think about well, do, do, during, uh, during COVID, like the intense COVID, when we were all, we were all in lockdown, I, I have no reason why. My mom used to love puzzles. I have never, ever, ever, ever loved puzzles. And one of the things that, I, you know, my, I think my wife bought one, and then we killed it with a family, and I just started like, this is fun. It, it kind of de-stresses you, you know. And then we got one, I think the, the biggest one, the last one that we, uh, we never finished was like 1,500, something like that. 1,500 pieces. Things were like this. And I was like, this is crazy. When I opened that box and I went, whoosh, I was like, I'm never going to finish this. I mean, COVID is going to have to last for like eight years for me to finish this puzzle because it's just too much. And, I, and when I heard, when I saw the definition of brokenness and it said to break it, that's what I thought of. And I pictured myself as a puzzle. You know, 1,500, 2,000 pieces. And we come and we walk life. But you know what happens is, is that we don't know that we're missing pieces. You know why we don't know where we're missing pieces? Because we don't have the box. We don't have that, you know, that picture in the front of the, of the, front of the box that helps you incredibly? We don't have that box. Because the person that has the box is the one that created what's inside the box. And since we don't have the box and we don't have the image, then we don't know exactly what we're doing. So what happens is that what God needs to do is, is bring bro- use brokenness to get those pieces that we're missing to the place that they need to get to. Because we're walking around and there's 10 pieces missing, 20, and we're looking like, man, look at me. Look at this puzzle. You know? And we think we're the greatest thing, man, since Coca-Cola. And we're looking at ourselves, man, I got this. I can sing, I can preach, I can dance, I can worship, I can do all these things. I'm this, I'm that. And we believe we have it all together. And then when God is asking you, is calling you to a place of brokenness, we run away. But the truth is that you have no idea what piece is missing. And the only way that you can find out or get those pieces that are missing is to go to the Father. And in order for you to get to, to go to the Father, you have to be willing for the potter to do whatever he wants with the clay. The clay doesn't look up at the, at the potter and say, hey, please, can you, can you make it a little softer over here? And a little? No. The potter gets the clay and he begins to massage it and, ch- and, and hit it with a hammer and maybe put it in the fire and then add some water. I have no idea. I mean, the only thing I've seen is ghosts. So I don't know how else you do pottery. You know, like, you know, I don't know how that exactly how that goes. But what I'm telling you is that there's things that God has to do and he doesn't need your permission to do it. But the thing is, brokenness is going to happen, whether you like it or not. Either you yield to it, or you just wait until it comes. But it's going to happen. And if we are people that we we begin to walk and say, okay, Lord, I yield this vessel into your hands. Do what you got to do. I don't know what pieces are missing. Is it joy? Is it hope? Is it healing? Is it peace? I don't know what's missing. But God is saying today, listen, my son, my daughter, Brokenness is not a consequence of who you are right now. It's an open door to who you really are. We think brokenness is a punishment. Yes? Think about that. And the only positive thing that comes to my mind now about breaking is, give me a break, give me a break. 
break me off a piece of that cake at bar. <laughs> but most of the time when we, when we hear the word brokenness, we think about something negative. We think about a demotion. We think about punishment. Go to the corner. You broke this. Or look, da, da. you broke a rule. You broke a law. Everything that has to do with broken, has to, it has a negative connotation. But that's not how God is and how he works. Because the, the greatest, one of the greatest actions, or the greatest action in the history of, of mankind is the death of Jesus. And that's not something nice. But if there was no death, there would never be resurrection. If his body was never broken, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't be healed, made whole. So we need to understand that in the kingdom of God, brokenness is not a demotion or punishment. It's an open door for what God really has for you. And if we can just trust him, you know, at the top, trust him and just jump, we would see that he is faithful. There's, this, there's, a, there's a moment. You guys with me? You guys can, you can say, preach your brother. I like that. You know, or, or amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good too. You don't even got to say words. You don't got to clap. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anything. Anything like that. But there's another passage, and I want to talk about. So brokenness is a catalyst. Brokenness is a door to who we really are. And now we're going to go look at a passage in Mark 14, verses 1 through 9. Mark 14, verses 1 through 9. It says this. <clears throat> now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly to kill him. But not during the, but not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in a home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignant, indignantly to one another, why is this waste of perfume? If it, could have, it could have been it could have sold for many years of wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. This woman comes with a, an alabaster uh, jar of perfume. Now I don't know if you, I don't know how they do it now, but we, uh, back in the day you you would go buy like Burdines. How many guys remember Burdines? Or now Macy's, you know, whatever the case may be, or Bloomingdale. Well, not Bloomingdale's, but you would walk, and all of a sudden you have this these women, and they would have a little bottle of perfume. Yeah. Oh, would you like a sample? And you there, you know, and if you if you know you can't afford that, you would do like this, and then you'd be like. Put it in the pocket, baby. That's it, brother. You're good for like the whole day. You're straight, you know? Don't act like you guys are too good. Don't act like you didn't make like five rounds around the food court back in the day. All right. I see you. The mask don't hide. I know what's up. You, you know, you, you go one way, you know, and then you go the other way. That's it. You're good, bro. You said you got like at least, depending on the restaurants, you got at least eight pieces or ten pieces of chicken, you know? You got to go to the generous lady. The generous lady gives you like one of each. And it's like, like, yes. I don't even know why I'm talking about that. Why am I talking about that? <laughs> Bird eyes the spray. <laughs> to help them, Jesus. But, you know, and, and they spray you. The thing with that is that they can control. They can spray you one time, spray you twice, and keep the rest for later. It lasts them for a good while. 
Not this lady. Back in the day, they didn't have sprays. Back in the day, if you wanted access, you needed to break the jar. And once you break the jar, what are you going to do? There's no turning back. You can't be like, you know, you can't. It's all over the place. It's spilling wherever it wants to go. If it wants to go to the floor, if it wants to go down the leg, it wants to go to the head. You can't control it. It's going where it wants to go. And this lady walks in, and the Bible says that that jar of, 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 of ointment was worth one year's wages. So I don't know how much one year's wages was, but that's a lot of money for, for, for an ointment. And she broke the jar and poured it upon Jesus. And all the disciples and everybody was there were like, oh, no. You know what we could have done with the money? That if we would have sold that, we could have fed the hungry. We could have done this and we could have done that. We could have done whatever we needed to do if we had that money. And Jesus is like, yo, 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 what are you doing? And Jesus says something at the end of this passage. And I want to just jump to that verse so I don't take more time. But he says this. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What was broken before the Lord was spoken to mankind for generations. Hear this. It's 2021. It's 2021 years, maybe a few months later than when that happened. And today, we're still talking about her. Think about this. What happened when a woman was willing to break something that was valuable to her and put it at Jesus' feet, now that worship moment, that moment of, Lord, I love you more than anything that I have, is spoken about 2,021 years later in a church on 125th Avenue and Sunset Drive, and you guys that had nothing to do with that moment are being blessed because a woman decided to let her brokenness become worship. I don't know about you, but when I close my eyes on this earth, I want my children and my children's children and their children to be worshipers of the living God. The question is, are we willing to break whatever needs to be broken in order for that to pass down generations? Brokenness is not a punishment. Brokenness is not exile. Brokenness is worship. It's worship. It's worship. Can you imagine the fragrance of that perfume? I don't know, man. I like John Paul Gutierrez. I like Gucci. I like Perry Ellis, kind of old school. I like Fahrenheit, which is also old school. I like a lot of, you know, I, if I were up to me, I would have like at least 30 colognes in my room. You know? But I only got two. It's okay. Hey, seasons. You know, when, you, when I was like 15, I had like 18 different colognes that I remember I would choose. Now it's easy, just one, two. Okay. You know, you're good. But I always like to smell, and sometimes I would overdo it. And then you go inside, and you know, you get in the car, and you know when the cologne hits you, that you can taste it. Yeah. That I used to do that. I used to put a long cologne on, and uh, I picture Jesus got anointed. So it wasn't like spray water; it was like ointment, like. All over Jesus. I'm sure it wasn't like that. I'm sure Jesus didn't do that. But, you know, just I imagine sitting down, her pointer all over him, anointing him. 
And I imagine when, she, when they left that room, an hour passed, four hours passed, a day passed, a week passed, two weeks passed. And that sweet fragrance was still there. When we become men and women that embrace brokenness, we go into people's lives and the fragrance of worship to him, we will will invade everywhere you go. You go and you talk to somebody. I know know Milton, he likes to play ball. I'm scared. I I want Milton on my team. I'm not recruiting, but, you know, me, Milton, and PC, it's like a combo. You know, it's like the drink, the burger, and the fries. I'll be the burger because I'm a little bit more round, but not, you know. But the truth is that, you know, you know, the truth is that he plays a lot. And I know that he preaches the gospel to the people that he plays. You know that every time Milton goes into that basketball where he leaves, there's a fragrance of the kingdom in that place? You know that every, every time, you know, you encounter someone and you live that brokenness, you know that there is the fragrance of the kingdom. I don't know if you've ever encountered somebody that's, lives in a broken manner or loves God with all their heart, they're living for him with everything they have, and you feel refreshed. It's almost like a breath of fresh air when you meet them. It's that brokenness, it's that worship, it's that lifestyle. So brokenness is a catalyst, brokenness is an open door. Brokenness is worship. Brokenness. Listen, I never got hit when I was a little kid. Because you gotta, when you're young, you know, parents, you know, they try to break your will especially if you're a knucklehead. I was a little bit of a knucklehead. But my dad had the look, the Hispanic daddy look. How many Hispanic fathers and fathers do we have here? We got to do like a competition to see who has the, like, the meanest look. That tate quieto look, right? I don't know how you translate it into English, but that, you better, you, you better look. My dad across the room, you know? And I, and I remember one time that he got me. He hit me with the, with the belt. That was an ordeal, man. It was scary. And I had to get on my knees, and I was like, oh, my God, we're Catholic, kind of, you know. And my dad, Raga! You know, and I'm trying to be tough, like, body my lip. Raga! And my dad looked at me, and he saw my face, and he knew he had broke me. When you're broken, you can see it in your face. And I'm not talking about broken, like, oh, he's broken. You walk around, that's not brokenness. That's pity. I'm talking about when you're broken, when you're moldable, when God can do whatever he wants to do with you. Because you're not stiff. You're saying, Lord, whatever you need to do, do it now. Whatever area you need to break, whatever you need to, whatever you need to slash, whatever you need to hammer, whatever you need to bolt, do it down. Do it now. Do it now. And I want to go through to one more passage. Okay. One more passage. And I'm going to be done. The band can come up. Please. And I'm going to read two passages. Okay. And I'm going to try to be as quick as possible. Can I have some water? Right there. Thank you. Thank you, Koshi. I'm going to read two passages, and they're going to be almost, it looks like it's the exact same thing. Check this out. Luke 5, 
verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read fast. Uh, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge, two boats. He left there by the, by, by, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and one, one belonging to Simon and asked him to put a little, pull out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people of the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all, hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had gone, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in, earth, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats to, to, so full that they, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus, at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from the Lord. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all the companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay? So that's the first story. That's... That's when Jesus goes and, and, is, and is calling the disciples. And that, that happens. So they, Jesus is there. He uses the boat to preach. Then he tells Peter to go a little further out. They go to the deep waters. Tells him to throw the nets. He throws the nets. They catch so much fish that they can fill two boats. As a matter of fact, both boats begin to sink. And then Jesus falls. I mean, Peter falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, I'm a man. I'm a sinful man. Got it? Summary, I'm going to read this one. I'm going to go through it quick. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened, to, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, he said. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were, they were unable to haul the net because of, because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciple followed, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. A hundred yards to me is pretty far, but they're saying they were fishermen, so I guess a hundred yards wasn't that bad. First, Jesus... He's in the boat in the first passage. He's in the boat with them. And then he says, let's go out to the deep. They were in the deep waters, but Jesus was on the boat. And even though they, were, they had had, they would have situations in the storm when Jesus was on the boat sleeping and they were scared even though Jesus was still on the boat. It's good to be in deep waters and have Jesus with you. Yeah, how many of us have had a crisis or situation that we're dealing with and we feel, we can feel and see that Jesus is right there. And then, you know, he, speak, he speaks to them and he says, 
Yeah, throw, throw the nets over. He throws the nets over, and all of a sudden, all these fish start coming into the boat in the nets, and it's crazy. They have to call their partners. The partners come. They're like, oh, my God, the boats are sinking. The boats are sinking. The boats are sinking. And they're worried about the catch. The fishes are getting away. The, the nets are breaking. Hurry, hurry. And they're pulling, and they're pulling, and they're pulling, and they're pulling. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that craziness, Peter says, and he falls down to Jesus' knees, and he's like, I'm a sinful man, Lord. I guess the expression of, of, of the, the expression of gratitude because of what was happening at that moment, because of the situation that was changing at that moment. Maybe Peter was dealing with financial trouble. Maybe they were going through some situations as a family. Maybe they were lacking in a great way. Maybe he hadn't eaten in two or three days. We don't know. And all of a sudden, he's on his knees because he's so grateful for what God did. Two boats full, the boats are sinking. How in the world are we going to get this to shore? So all this time happens, Jesus gets crucified. And he's dead. And he resurrects, and he's already appeared a couple times. He's already appeared a couple times, you know. He appears to the disciples that Pastor Chris talked about last, last week. And, and Thomas, you know, when he puts his hand in the, and all that stuff. And this is probably the third, I don't know how many times, but this is another time that Jesus is appearing to the disciples. And the Bible says that now they're in a boat and they're going to the deep, but Jesus is not on the boat. Jesus is not there. The Bible says that all of a sudden, you know, after having a, a night that they don't catch anything, they see a man and a man that's on the shore a hundred yards out, like a football field. You guys have played football, you know, screaming across a football field is not easy. He shouts. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, you, you got any fish? I'm hungry. He's like, no, we didn't catch anything. And all of a sudden, the, the guy, Jesus, says, hey, throw the nets to the right side. Sounds familiar, right? They throw the nets. The nets fall in the water. And what happens? A great multitude of fish begin to invade the net. They started, they're like, oh, what's going on? This and this and that. And all of a sudden, John, the beloved, the one that they say rests his head on Jesus' chest, yes? Says, it's Jesus. I wonder if there is a coincidence that the, that the man that laid his head on Jesus' chest was the only one that was able to say, that's Jesus. The closer you become with him, the greater distance you can see, that's Jesus. Check this out. He says, it's Jesus. Hope that happened. Peter says, it's Jesus. And the Bible says that he, he had taken off his garment. He put his garment on. And he didn't care about the catch anymore. He didn't care about the nets breaking. He didn't care about the boat sinking. He said, it's Jesus. He put on his garments and he jumped into the water. A hundred yards out. I've never swam with clothes on. I've never. But a hundred yards swimming with a bathing suit is hard. I mean, I don't know if he did the butterfly or the backstroke. I have no idea what he did to the, but he was getting doggy paddle, whatever he needed to do. 
But he's, I need to get to him. Why was his response so different? In the second passage than the first. Because he was grateful. But he was also worried about the nets and the boats and the fish. What changed in Peter? I believe that when he saw the favor and the blessing and the love and the provision after his betrayal, his his expression towards Jesus changed. He's like, wait. Wait, 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 wait. You mean you still love me? You mean you still want me? You mean miracles can still happen around me? You mean you can still use me in power? I believe that's why he wasn't worried about the nets anymore. He was like, man, I betrayed this dude. Not once, not twice, but three times. After telling him that I was his ride or die. After telling him that I'm going to die with you no matter what. I don't know in what way you have failed Jesus. In what way you feel that you let him down or you failed him or if you missed the mark. If you're looking through the camera, I don't know in what situation you're living or how many times you feel you've let down or how many times you stumbled or how many times you've fallen. But today Jesus is at the shore saying, throw the nets. Trust me. I got you. Brokenness is an opportunity for Jesus to reveal who he really is. <laughs> He's loved us always with everything that he is. But we won't know that until we allow him to love us in our brokenness. I learned the phrase many years ago, if you are not truly known, you will not ever feel truly loved. Hispanics have a saying, los, prato, los, los trapos sucios se lavan en casa. Oh, we hide things. And we look all well put together. No. Peter betrayed Jesus. So I looked up garments in the Bible. Because it, it's, it's funny to me that the Bible would take the time to say, he put his garments on. Now, he wasn't like naked. He had, you know, theologians say that he had like the bottom part, you know, but he took his garments to top and he put it there. I, I, and garments have many definitions. One of them is authority. Another one that caught my eye was right standing before God. You know what Jesus did? He gave Peter back the authority that he had surrendered when he betrayed him.
You know what Jesus did? When he jumped in those waters, he was in right standing before God. What an expression of love from Jesus in our broken moments can do. Most of us don't trust him because we don't let him love us in our brokenness. Just close your eyes where you're at. your eyes where you're at. to be a mighty man of God. Not that he was, he was already that. He begins to preach. Thousands by the thousands get, get saved. His shadow heals people. He ends up giving his life. Crucified upside down. See, he had no idea that that's what the the final product looked. He didn't have the puzzle box. He didn't know what he was supposed to look like. But when he encountered Jesus and he decided to jump into those waters, when God encountered him in the middle of his brokenness, everything changed. The way he responded to Christ changed forever. He was never that, that man that was like, oh, you know what, this. And then all of a sudden he would flip-flop. He was never just an emotional. He was a man that was willing to lay it down for Christ at any moment, at any time. What an expression of love in the middle of our brokenness can do to Peter. What about that expression of love? What can it do for you and for me today? Would you jump into the waters today? Grab your garments, the authority that God's given you. Jump into the waters and let the waters of the rivers of the Spirit cleanse you and baptize you. And just go to Jesus and see what He can do. See what He can do. Maybe you're here 
and you have you just said pastor i i feel like i just keep messing up i feel like i'm so broken and i feel like i i'm disqualified my my sister martha said i'm disqualified for being your disciple i'm disqualified for walking with you i'm disqualified for being an expression of power and of love here in this earth because i'm so broken and maybe you thought it was a disqualification maybe you thought it was a punishment but it's not it's a catalyst it's an open door to see who you really are it's worship it's a fragrance for him he loves it and it's an opportunity the opportunity is here and it is now and if today you say pastor I'm one of those people that I've let the, my brokenness and my failures stop me from running and walking with Jesus like I'm supposed to. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something brave. I'm going to ask you just like Peter jumped into the waters, I would want you just to jump out of your seat and just stand up. I don't want all I want to do is pray for you. I'm not here to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. It takes courage. Just close your eyes. Don't even look at me. Just close your eyes where you're at, man. I'm standing with you. Because I've let brokenness sometimes and shame stop me from doing what God has called me to do. You are my champion, God. I am who you say I am, my God. You are my champion. You are my champion. You are my champion. Here I am, my God. Here we are, God. Here we are. Here we are, God. Here we are, God. Just lift your hands wherever you're at. Just lift your hands. Don't miss this opportunity.
thank you. We stand here, my God, as Peter. We swam to you, my God. We jumped out of that boat because we understand that we don't care about the cats and the nets and the boats. What we care about, my God, is that you loved us in our in our worst moment, in our brokenness, and you love us still, and you won't stop loving us, Father. Today, my God, we make a pact that we will continue running after you, that we will continue going after your things and the kingdom of God and being a vessel, Father God, to express your kingdom, to reveal your kingdom here on earth, my God. We will no longer let our brokenness be a wall, my God. That wall today has fallen, my God, and it became a bridge, Father God, for the things that you have for your sons and daughters, my God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done in our hearts today. And I pray, my God, that this moment will not just be a moment, but that it would be a movement, Father God, that would change the generations, Father God, our children and our children's children, that they would be lovers of your presence, that they would be lovers of your presence, that they would be lovers of your presence, my God. Vessels for the kingdom of heaven. Vessels for the kingdom of heaven, my God. Come on, come on, sing it to him. Let's go. One last thing I think might be the most important thing before we leave today. See, maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus because you felt like you were too dirty and too bad and too broken for him to do anything with you. You were set aside. The Bible says that he gets people like you and me because I'm like that. You know my past. Gangs, drugs, suicide, sex, all those things. Darkest place. And he pulled me out of that. And if you're here today and you feel that you're broken, you feel that there's no hope, you feel that you're too broken, have great news. A potter is an expert. He knows what to do with broken pieces. And that potter, his name is Jesus. And he wants to put you together. He has the perfect picture in the puzzle box. And he wants to build you up for what he called you to be. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and I know this takes courage if you've never done this, but I would like you to join those that are standing now and I will lead you in a prayer into becoming a son and daughter of the living God. If that is you, just pop up to your feet. And if not, then I'm just going to close. And I'll make the prayer just in case you're here. Close your eyes and let's pray. 
If you want to make that decision today, just follow, repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I thank you. Today I realize that I am broken. And for so many years, I've, I thought that this brokenness has disqualified me for being loved by you. But today, I see that you love me just the way I am. Not only that, but you, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and take my place because I should have been there. Today, I receive that sacrifice. Today, I receive that love. Today, I confess that I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and that death cannot defeat you, that you have resurrected and you're alive in me. Teach me how to be your son or daughter. Holy Spirit, guide me. Reveal Jesus to me. Reveal the Father to me. I want to know you. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give it up.